You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Seminole Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peller, and it is mid-July. It's going to be our July 18th episode. Uh, been a while. I think it's probably been since May, since the three of us were together, but it's the it's the usual crew, the the main crew, the the crew crew. The uh, It's Brian, me. Already I introduced myself, but Max Scarpio, John Marchant. Guys, uh, been a minute. Max, good to see you, man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know if it's been like one or two months, but... Happy to be back on. Yeah, we did the schedule previews and uh, uh, Perry and I did conference realignment. And, you know, you know, I just looked down and I see John and his FSU ball cap. It's just, you know, such a nice little smile to see. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been too long, too long. For sure. And it really hasn't been all that eventful that really, to me, felt the need to kind of pull us all together for anything. I mean, I think we've done a fair job in, in schedule previews and all that kind of stuff. It's been a relatively quiet offseason altogether. But uh, the last few weeks, it's been kind of minor headlines, so I think we're going to run through a bunch of them. Um, quarterback class, obviously, some changes there that that I think I don't know. Maybe this, maybe there's a little a little too much panic about, but we could talk about it and see what's going on. ACC kickoff, media day stuff is this week, so we'll talk about that as well. Plus, here what we kind of expect to hear from the commissioner. But uh, I think the biggest thing to start with is the, just the work of Alex Atkins on the recruiting trail. Uh, for 2023, 247's got him at the 37th ranked recruiter so far. It's only because he's technically got three commits. Um, if you've sorted by like the how good they are, he's a little higher up than that. Um, but in the last week, he's brought in a four-star offensive lineman and Lucas Simmons. Uh, two weeks before that, it was offensive lineman Roderick Kearney, which I think are 
uh, Florida State of Recruiting guys talked to. So I would definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't already. It was a nice little interview with him to kind of get his ideas on Atkins and why that was such a big, important part of bringing him in. And then, uh, you know, so previously this offseason brought in uh, three-star receiver Darren Lawrence. But, I mean, he's just been so important since getting this promotion. And honestly, it shows why you you bumped him up because he is just – so important to everything that seems to be happening, and he's really rebuilding that offensive line. And the Florida State of Recruiting pod has covered this already, uh, but I don't know where, and I'm kind of afraid of where Florida State would be without Alex Atkins at this point. Um, I think his elevation to offensive coordinator was well-deserved, and he is more or less, I, I think we have to acknowledge, he's carrying the staff in recruiting at this point in time. And I think he's a future star. He's going to be head coach somewhere. I'm sure there's some people out there who are not fans of Norvell or already asking if Alex Atkins could be the next head coach of Florida state. Um, it's a little bit premature. We'll see how this season goes, but um, I think Atkins is phenomenal. He's tremendous. I I'm really, really excited to see how he'll do a former offensive line coach, obviously as offensive coordinator this season, you have a uh, very dynamic threat at running back in Jordan Travis, uh, a lot of good talent in the, at the running back position and, the talent on the offensive line continues to get better, but also the development continues to increase something that we hadn't seen for, for a while. So it's a really exciting time. I'm really, really excited to see what Atkins does. I think he is a future star. Yeah. Max, uh, you know, I, I think in that same vein, it's, it's not even just the quantities of guys. It's, it's like the, the qualities of guys he's bringing in, you know, this is where we're reaching and finding four stars that he's being able to bring in, which is better than what we've been seeing. Yeah, I mean, it's not those top blue chip guys that you see are ranked super high, but Lucas Simmons, like a bunch of recruiters have said that he's so underrated in this class and he's not rated where he's supposed to be. I don't know where he is at the offensive tackle position right now, but he's a six, seven product going to be a force next, wherever he, whenever he comes, Roderick Kearney. And last year he brought players like Ar Julian Armella. He brought Kayshawn Sapp, Antavius Woody. And those are all players who, already coming into college are 300 plus pounds. So they're ready and they're ready to produce either the first year or the second year that they get here. Yeah. And that, 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 that I'm glad you went back to last year because the offensive line is such an important piece in a rebuild, especially And John, I'll let you rail on the roster like always, but you know, especially as you try to build an offense, if you don't have anything up front, it doesn't really matter how good your, your quarterback is. And you know, it necessitates a Jordan Travis, heroic efforts every single time you're out there. I mean, just to run through them and, and Max, you kind of just hit it too, but I mean, this is this what's currently committed for 23. So Simmons, four-star and Kearney, four-star. And then last year's class. So he brought in, and this is Atkins specifically recruited, primary recruited guys, four-star Armella, four-star Sapp, four-star Jalen Early, three-star Antavius Woody, three-star Daughtry Richardson, three-star Kanaya Charlton. I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Was it eight that's that's called counting on the podcast by the way you guys love that it's it's eight offensive linemen in two classes and I don't know what they're adding in this point going forward you could let you know your transfers and things I mean obviously um whatever else they bring in but I mean that is a ton of guys to just reshape it and even give you just options and and like I said John I know I'm more than happy to let you rail on what they were missing on this roster I would love to do that. I could spend a whole pod really <laughs> on what they're missing. No, but I, I mean, look, 80% of winning good college football, I still have this opinion, is recruiting, right? You right. have to have the best players if you want to win big. 
And there's been significant criticism of, of Norvell's staff, not Norvell himself. Alex Atkins is obviously great, but a lot of the rest of the staff is just not pulling their weight. And so that's going to determine whether or not Norvell continues to coach, even though I personally believe that Norvell is a good coach and he should get at least a couple more years. That's, I mean, there's a very real possibility that he gets fired at some point in the season if, if Florida State doesn't win at least, um, uh, in my opinion, six or seven games. If they don't make a bowl game, I think he's gone. But the talent that they're accumulating in the offensive line and how far it's come from the days of, you know, when Cam Akers was here, when he was a true freshman, and, and Willie Taggart, it's come a long way. They still have a long way to go to become the type of unit that you really want, but they've come so far. They're no longer, I wouldn't say, below average. So, Whatever happens to Norvell, it could potentially be the guy after him who really benefits from all of this talent they're accumulating up front. And again, if it's Atkins or somebody else, that's exciting. Um, but I guess, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point, too. And, and then, like you said, it's, it's not really a knock on Norvell and whether or not he continues to survive the way this is going. But, um, you know they are definitely moving the roster closer to where they should be and where they really need to be because they were pretty not in a great spot. And like you said, if it is Atkins who takes over next or whoever that may be, um, you know, we'll just have to see, but if it is him, great. I mean, I, again, we're, we're, we're talking about hypotheticals where Norvell isn't a coach already, where he still currently is and probably will benefit a lot from it. But I mean, if that comes, you know, you could do worse than Atkins being your guy. And, and if he's building your foundation up front, I mean, obviously he just got promoted this offseason. So I think running him ahead of Norvell is a bit much, but you know, well, yeah. he shows, he shows the ability to eventually be that guy. And, you know, I, I don't think if you're an FSU fan, you could be upset with having a guy on the coaching staff who's clearly set up capable of taking that type of role. The thing is, if, if you're an FSU fan, you're scared to lose Atkins, in my opinion. Right. You're scared to lose whatever you have right now, and you're scared to lose him maybe if he doesn't get a promotion later. Someone's going to be willing to pay him. When you talk to all these recruits right now, talk to these 2022, 2023 recruits, even the receivers, even the quarterbacks, they talk about Atkins. They talk about what he's building there, mm -hmm. and they talk about the relationship he's built with them, how – how he's able to, to have a chemistry with his offensive line and how that changes his running back room, how that changes his quarterback room. So a lot of the players are comfortable with him. It's not just the offensive line. So we really need to appreciate what he's done this offseason and appreciate what he's going to do. Right. I, I agree with that hundred percent. I guess the, the point I'm making, I don't, I don't want to shift the conversation too much to, Oh, you know, Norvell's definitely going to get fired. Let's talk about who's coming after him. It's, it's more about, you know, we knew this was a long rebuild, right? We knew this was going to be a several year thing. And I really believe, and I think maybe Max agrees too, is that they're starting to turn the talent around, right? Especially in these key positions, like up front on the offensive line, that has been a problem for a really long time. And, you know, again, the talk is whether or not Norvell is going to last for the season. How many games does he have to win? I think the point though, is that they are finally turning around the talent on this roster. And if you give them maybe a little bit more time and whether he gets it or not, that talent is, is there. It's starting to, to, uh, I guess, blossom a little bit or develop, it, you know, you start to get to maybe you can do some some exciting things with this roster going forward. Um, and so to fire Novell after the season, it may, does he deserve it? Does he not? That's a different discussion. But I think it's exciting that the, the talent's starting. Okay, yes, you know, this class coming in, now they're saying it's about 50% blue chip, which is what you want, right? You have to have at least 50% blue chip, uh, like Bud Elliott says, to qualify for a chance at national title. But if one class is not enough, 
this the talent on this roster um thank you brian because i am going to rail about this it <laughs> did it did get nuked under willie tagger i mean when he took over yes the offensive line was terrible that's jimbo fisher and his staff's fault for for stop recruiting and, and injuries and all the other stuff but he had nuked the rest of this roster it took years to rebuild it you're finally getting to the point where um and again you had to rely way more on the transfer portal it was a whole new arena no a, no a whole new ball game yeah. Um, of the recruiting right underneath you. <laughs> right. And then on top of that, right after that comes NIL and Florida state does not have the resources that a lot of the current programs, like uh, the top ones like Alabama or Ohio state have, or LSU, Oklahoma, all those, all those programs. And so this is not an easy thing to do. And you're starting to finally kind of bring that up to the 50%, but you need to stack those 50% blue chip classes right now. We're looking at his first one coming up. So I, do you cut, do you cut him now or not? But again, I, my overall point is I think the talent is improving. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I, again, I, at the risk of running ahead of it, like I said, you know, we've looked at this as the Norvell rebuild, right. And and it seems like when they're landing a guy who's going to matter, it seems to be an Atkins guy. So maybe, you know, maybe it's the Atkins rebuild, but again, I don't, I don't want to put Norvell out. I, I think, you know, like you said, he's the one who's the head coach. So this is his team. Um, but like you like, I thought Max made a great point. It, it's if the guy you're most worried to probably losing on this coaching staff, it would be Atkins. I think even if another team came and called for Norvell, you'd be like, okay, at least the roster was moving in the right direction. Thanks for what you got us, and you know we'll keep it moving. Like it's fine, right? I mean, I don't. Well, Max, let me ask you this: If Atkins were to become the head coach, again, we are very way ahead of ourselves. Right. Here. <laughs> but just a hypothetical. Do you think he would keep anyone on staff from the current the current staff? Well, when you look at the people on the current staff, you look at how they recruited, how they're recruiting, the, let's say just the 2023 class. Mm-hmm. You have Atkins who has two, I think he has two or three commits. You have Haggins has two. JP has two. I don't know if, I don't think David Johnson has had one yet. Marcus Woodson had Quindarius Jones, a, a small, un, unrated, I think he's a three-star now. Randy Shannon, you're not going to keep linebacker coach. So maybe you keep one of them. What do you, I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you off the bat who you have to keep for sure, except for Odell Haggins and maybe JP. See, I think Haggins might, might even retire soon. Anyway, I, I think Papucci, I think you're right. I think he might keep him, maybe somebody else, but I, it's just an interesting thought I had about, again, the criticism of Norvell and recruiting but, is yeah. Yeah. The thing is, when you think of it as a whole, when you ask that question, you're going to think, oh, I, I, I'm just I'm going to think of one of the coaches or one of the player, one of the people on the coaching staff right away. But when you ask that question, I didn't know who to tell you because you're not going to keep Dugans. You're not going to keep you're going to think about keeping David Johnson. You're not going to keep keep Chris Thompson. So what else are you going to do there? Right. Well, I did, I did look at the uh, 2024 rankings earlier, and I'm trying to scramble back to it so that way I can at least be armed with facts. But I think um, in the top – I mean, obviously, 2024. So it's not like a lot of guys are committed. But, yeah, we're number uh, two. Yeah, Marcus Woodson is like one of the top three or four recruiters listed. I think – yeah. He's landed the um, Cam Davis and uh, is it Jordan, Jordan Pride. Jordan Pride. Yeah, thanks. That's, so that's the thing. Though. You look at that class. You look at the 2024 class right now. I'm almost positive with it, that we're the number two team in the nation. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, so. Yeah. You have Cam Davis, who's a five-star now. Jordan Pride, who just transferred to IMG and his stock is rising. Cameron Fryer, who his stock is definitely rising. And you have Luke Kromanok, so his stock is rising, but we're probably going to be able to keep him. Those Cam Davis and Jordan Pride ones are carrying that class. 
and you don't know if you're going to be able to keep them. Yeah, yeah. I guess that would be a legitimate concern, right? Because that's you know that's already a concern because you're looking at teams like Texas A&M who have been recruiting Jordan Pride heavy. Other teams have been recruiting Jordan Pride heavy. He's talked to Florida. He's talked to other schools. And then Georgia is trying to pry Cam Davis out of Florida State, which I think Florida State is missing that that workhorse running back that they need behind that offensive line that's going to open a lot of gaps for different people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's something that when they look at it, this keeping this class together is, is obviously really important. And I feel like maybe we're trying to steal the uh, <laughs> Florida State recruiting guys thunder here. But I, I mean, you know, the other big thing that happened recently was just last week, uh, or I guess earlier this week, now I'm looking at the dates, uh, on the 12th, the uh, for our 20, our, our, our upcoming class here, Chris Parson, the four-star quarterback, decommitted. He's the 16th ranked overall QB. He had just had his official visit about three weeks ago, and I think in late June. Um, you know, he decommitted and, and has uh, seemingly Mississippi State has quickly jumped to being the new favorite. He's from Tennessee, so maybe that has something to do with it there, a little, little bit of, um, I guess, proximity of an advantage for them, location-type stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen a lot of panic. It seems like you're still in on another four-star quarterback, Brock Glenn, in this class. You just brought in A.J. Duffy. And, then you know, uh, Max, you just mentioned uh, uh, the name just jumped out of my head. Luke, uh, the quarterback. Yes, thank you. Uh, so you got him for 2024. So I guess my question there is, is there something to be scared, concerned with here in losing a kid that uh, seemingly wanted to be here? You've, you've probably had for a while. And, and kind of what that does to the class. Uh, Max, I'll go to you first on this one. I think the best thing that closing into signing day, which is probably going to be in November or December, I don't know when it's specifically going to be, but closing in on that is that the Florida State staff has known that Chris Parson is going to decommit. This wasn't a surprise. They've probably known this for a couple months, maybe just a couple weeks, but I guarantee that they've known there's something in the air for at least two months here. And that's one of the reasons they went to go get Brock Land. One of the reasons they, they went to, I think it was recruit Ricky, Ricky Collins from a commit for Purdue. So they've been looking at other options. They told Chris Parson that they wanted two quarterbacks. There was problems in the air there. So I don't think there's much to be worried about because you didn't want a guy coming here that didn't want to compete either way. And I don't want to talk smack about Chris Parson and his decision, but bring on block Brock Glenn or bring on other quarterbacks that want to be here and want to put on that Seminole jersey. Yeah, I think part of the, the – and it's quick for, um, I guess, in this day and age for people to quickly be like, ah, he's just – he's – you know, he's not built tough and he doesn't want to compete, but you know, I, I, I understand the kid making a decision on, you know, his, his future, you know, you don't want to go somewhere and, and uh, feel like you're going to have to compete where you can go somewhere and, and probably just take over, especially if, you know, if Mississippi state is that landing spot, it's a school that if Mike Leach is still there, is going to throw the ball 65 times a game. Um, and you'll eventually get drafted. Someone in the sixth round will just say, Hey, that kid threw for like 8 billion yards. Just pick him. So I can see that. Um, but I think if you're Florida State in this, for you know, fairness to them, you're going to need to bring in as many quarterbacks as you can just to keep taking shots. Right, John? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not that big into recruiting, but that's, I mean, that's clearly true. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Norvell uh, as a coach. He's always going to give his guys you know, the kind of one-on-one matchup. He, he likes to make it easier for his QB. He's done a lot of fun stuff. I remember uh, Mike White, uh, was was he was a good talent um obviously not an NFL talent but he he put up monster numbers at Memphis for Norvell uh and the thing about Chris Parson for me 
Um, again, as a big picture look at it and recruiting in general is this day and age, uh, kids are going to transfer. They're always going to leave. But wherever he goes, there's going to be competition. So I don't say, oh, he was he was scared of competing or he only wanted to be the, the only quarterback in the class. Maybe he just didn't want to go to Florida State anymore. I, to me, you're going to compete anywhere. And kids now, they'll go somewhere, wherever they feel like they want to go. And if they don't want the job, they're going to transfer anyway. So whether he left now or he left after one year at Florida State, it doesn't really make much difference to me. Um, the important thing, and Max can speak more to this than I can, obviously, is they just need to land somebody, right? Get somebody, get a quarterback. Um, you know, Chubba uh, Purdy left. <laughs> um, yeah. They just need somebody. Get one QB a class, and I'm fine. I don't really care beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what it comes down to, and, and I think kind of what you mentioned, and you've we just spoke so glowingly of Atkins. I, I, I don't want to, you know, heap this one on him as well. But, you know, if you are, say, Parson, you look up, there was an offensive coordinator change. You know, I mean, I, maybe the situation is different than what you wanted it to be. I mean, you know, we like I said, we just spoke so glowingly of him. I don't want to be like, hey, is there a reason? He, but, you know, it's a different situation. The dynamics are different than they just were six months ago. And, you know, I can totally understand a guy being like, you know, it's, maybe not exactly the same as it was, you know, maybe he takes his visit on the 24th and he's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm just not feeling it right. I'm just not feeling it anymore. Maybe he's changed. I mean, again, he's in high school, you know, I mean, uh, your, your life can change pretty quickly. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that I, I felt like a lot of people kind of freaked out about. And I know our, our Florida state recruiting guys will do a better job talking about it than, than the group of us will, but you know, I just, we talk about it all the time. There needs to be progress. And again, we're talking about, teenagers you know these kids need they need just he needs his space he needs his time to think he wants to look at other stuff great just go get a quarterback and let's keep taking dart throws and see what we can land one right max you got anything there man i mean hopefully those dart throws start with start with aj duffy and we'll see what he has to do we'll see what <laughs> right you just brought in a amen star. amen amen right well, I, so the next big thing on the calendar is going to be the ACC kickoff. Um, I, I don't like that name. I, I don't know if, if that's been a thing, if I just didn't pay attention to it last year well enough. That name bothers me so much because it's just, why, why not ACC media days? Like, I guess that sounds old school, but it, kickoff sounds like we're going to, like a, like a football game, right? It's just, it doesn't sound like media days. I'll get off my Kick- soapbox, my old curmudgeon stuff. Kicking off the season. Yeah, but you know, it's why not ACC kickoff media days? Like, name it that. I don't know. It's okay. It's whatever. It's just a bunch of guys wearing suits and ties talking to guys with rec- with with a little microphone in their hands. But uh, <laughs> it's it starts on Wednesday. I think it's in Charlotte. Um, I think is Perry supposedly going up or somebody going up to cover that for us? I don't think we'll have someone covering because I know it's in short notice. So yeah, very, they didn't they didn't give us a notice until like literally today, which was again this is Sunday night. So great heads up on that one, but. Uh, regardless, we'll, you know, we'll, they'll send it out to us and we'll be able to keep track in case and if someone isn't going, we'll have plenty of information for it. Um, it's Wednesday and Thursday. Absolutely. Florida State goes Wednesday. Um, they're bringing Norvell, obviously. Uh, Fabian Lovett, Jamie Robinson and Jordan Travis. Anything jump out to you there, um, you know, in, in terms of who they're bringing and maybe the importance of, of those guys? I like the Jamie yeah. Robinson pick. You do? Yeah, I mean, Norville talked to him. I know he talked to him after the season because he spoke with the media about it, and he said that, that Robinson needs to take another step forward, not only on the field but off the field in terms of his leadership, in terms of his maturity. So, I mean, him getting picked for that, I'm, I'm guessing he has made a step forward and he has he's ready for more improvement this season. So I really like to see that. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Jamie, I have to agree with you, Max. I think the Jamie Robinson pick was the most interesting um, and exciting pick. Fabian Lovett was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, he's got to clearly be the uh, leader of that defense. I mean, he was outspoken even when Marvin Wilson was still here. Uh, but now he's obvious, obviously, it seems like it's his unit. And then, of course, on the offensive side, uh, Jordan Travis is a no-brainer. So I thought yeah. the Jamie Robinson pick was easily the most interesting one. I, I think it's exciting because um, uh, there's a lot of guys you could pick for the defensive side of the ball um, behind behind the DL between the linebackers and defensive backs. Uh, so I thought uh, – I guess I will look, expect a little bit more from Jamie Robinson this season because of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's it's great, right? That, that's ahead, what talking about Jamie, I guess, because you had Fabian and, and Jordan Travis who were, who were locks and who yeah. – <laughs> Right. We were looking to see who the next one was. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's it, it, like you said, it's an interesting pick, but it's one where, like, you know, if he puts the pressure on him, like, hey, I want to see you step up and be that guy this year. Um, one, you think he either has been, right? And he feels that there's trust in him and, like, hey, I appreciate you. You, you listened, you stepped up, and, and you're doing all the things I expect from you. That's great. Or, you know, this is another version of, like, hey, I trust you. Like I, you're that guy for me and I trust you. Like, come on, let's go. You know, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, when you think about how this works and after I went on my whole soapbox, this is, you know, media from all of the ACC schools, they're not going to come over and ask him, you know, and, and no offense to the uh, Florida state media on this one, but like, they're not going to come over and, and lob softballs. You know, the Clemson guy's going to come over and be like, Hey man, your team kind of been, terrible lately huh you know i mean like they're gonna ask questions that are tough to answer just because they're just weird you know and, and yeah you know, they're not looking just like lob you like hey jammy man fabian, fabian he's so good huh like you know they're not gonna give you those that you're gonna get real difficult questions and obviously you gotta have trust in them to bring them well i mean yeah and we knew there was a culture problem among the players under jimbo fisher that continued under willie tagger that didn't change unfortunately um, I'm not going to say got better or worse, but it, was, it, it didn't solve itself. And so we're still waiting for that and waiting for that culture change. And a lot of that depends on the players themselves, right? You need those leaders to step up and get everyone else in line. Um, you know, you can always, everyone remembers LaMarcus Joyner, right? He was that first kind of recruit for Jimbo Fisher and, and helped set the tone and be a leader in the locker room. You have know, a lot of other guys too, like Timmy Jernigan was a leader in the locker room, Telvin Smith at the time. Um, you know, and then James came after them, but, uh, but this team needs those same kinds of leaders. I think, right. They need those same kind of guys to step up, set the tone say, this is, you know, we're tired of losing. We want to win. This is what it takes to win uh, kind of thing. So hopefully we see some improvement in the area this year. And I, again, I think it's uh, it's a fun thing for Jamie Robinson to be picked. And, and I, I get it means we'll expect more from him this season. I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, and I think if there's anything else I'm really all that interested in hearing about at these uh, kickoffs, it's going to be <laughs> what the coaches say, and especially the commissioner, uh, yeah, Jim Phillips. I, I'm really interested in what they say when they get asked about realignment, because that is going to be a topic that I think is going to come their way, and I'm really curious what how I'm, I'm sure the coaches will say ah oh, you know I don't, I don't have to deal with that type of stuff but especially the commissioner i think is going to be really interesting on what the future of the acc looks like i don't even know where to begin <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there's been rumors throughout the whole off season but there's right some, some things that they don't want to talk about can't talk about so we don't know what kind of spurt we're going to get i just don't but, think he can just like no comment at it i think he has to say something 
Well, I mean, yeah, he's go- and you're right. He's gonna get he's gonna get asked about it. And what is this guy's name? Jim Fields, right? He's the new commissioner yeah. of the ACC. The thing is, it it doesn't matter. I we were talking about this a little bit before we actually started the podcast, which is there's a thing we all know he's gonna say when he gets asked about it. We know he's gonna get asked right. about it. But then there's the thing that we know that he's really saying, right? Whatever the kind of uh, generic media answer he gives we know what he's really saying the acc is screwed i inherited this mess we're going to get left behind yada 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 half the schools in this program or at least four or five of them all want to leave they're locked in but this the writing seems to be on the wall right that this conference is not going to be around potentially in in 10 15 or 20 years um the one i personally really want to be hauled up there for questioning is the previous commissioner, Jim Swafford, because he has the real uh, answers to that question, uh, the answers. And I mean, look, what is even Swafford going to say, though? At the time, they thought that the ACC network was going to be a big deal, was going to bring in a ton of money. It would help keep the ACC, uh, uh, keep them um, in rhythm with the rest of the conference's expansion of, of how much money they're bringing in. That ended up being, and maybe that's why Florida State and Clemson went along with it. I don't know. I don't know how the grant of rights voting thing works among the conference, but it's obviously ACC network was comparably a disaster, right? They didn't bring in nearly as much money as they thought it was going to. So now if you're a football school, which, uh, or one that would have a significant amount of maybe revenue potential to one of these super conferences, you know, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, maybe Virginia, right? Uh, Give or take one or two of those you feel trapped, right? You're stuck in a prison. So what is Jim Phillips going to say, right? Oh, you know, we're looking at expansion and all the different opportunities. And and we're always looking for yada, yada, yada. While he knows that at least four or five, maybe six programs in his conference are all looking for ways to get out of it, to get out of the grant of rights so they can leave with their rights. So, and the big 10, the SEC can afford to wait. I think there are what 16 teams right now, something like that, I think, but they obviously want to get to 20. I think we all agree that Florida State is obviously going to be one of those 20 teams in either of the conferences. I think the Big Ten is most likely um, because the Big Ten does not, as we were talking before the show started, the Big Ten does not have a footprint in Florida as of yet. So I think of programs like Florida State and Miami will be very, very attractive to the Big Ten, but they can afford to wait. And But how long do they want to wait, right? I don't think Florida State is going to get left out, but – if they can't make a move for another 10 years because a grant of rights has been extended to 2036, do you get left behind by the time that happens? With every Big Ten program making $100 million a year and the, SEC, uh, the ACC making 30, 35, maybe 40, there's no one out there that you can go grab, right? The Oregon and Washington from the Pac-12 want to join the Big Ten also. Right. So I don't think they're going to join the ACC. Now you hear today, Dennis Dodds at CBS has an article where they're talking about the Big 12 and the Pac-12 merging. But again, it, it's all about how much money does an individual school bring in? If you come together, you know, your, your schools are making 30 million or 25 million each and you come together and then now you're all making 15 million each because you're splitting a bigger pie more ways. Does that really help you? Right. So, you know, and the question too is, is Florida State an 80 to $100 million per year revenue program? Is that what it would bring to the Big Ten? So, there's a lot of questions answered. I don't think they're going to be answered anytime soon. Phillips, I do not envy his job. <laughs> there's no program. There's no program out there. What are you going to go get UCF? You can't. They're not yeah. going to do anything. You go get USF or you go get Oklahoma State. They're just not going to bring, in my opinion, enough eyeballs to justify raising 
the level of anything. You know, even if the ACC and the Big 12 merge, no one really cares about uh, – is TCU even in that conference? I don't remember. Yeah, Kansas, a, stuff like that. Right. Well, and here's a great point about – thank you for bringing up Kansas, right? Just to kind of put this whole thing in perspective is the ACC was at one point a pioneer in expansion, right? When they added Virginia Tech and Miami and they, they destroyed the Big, the big East. Yeah. They were a pioneer at the time, and all, all, all of those moves at the time seemed very brilliant, very, very good. But now we're this far into the future. Miami's been down. Maybe Ruiz brings them back, but they've been down for forever. Virginia Tech is not the same since Michael Vick left, right? They right. never became the football power that everyone thought they might be. And they become more of a basketball program. And so I was blown away when I found out that the Kansas football program, one of the worst football programs in all of Division One brings in more money than Kansas's basketball program, which is one of the preeminent programs in college basketball. The football program still brings in more money. That's TV deals. So, right. So it's, there's just, when you're looking at who to bring in that would raise your TV contract, there isn't anyone that helps uh, Florida State or the ACC, even if you combine conferences. So merging with the Pac-12 or the Big 12 does nothing to help FSU. Yeah. It's getting out only. And for the next at least 10 years, it seems like they're stuck. Yeah. Well, a couple of things on stuff you brought up. And, and just in case maybe you didn't listen to last week's episode with me and Perry talking about it, um, a couple of things like the grant of rights, right? That means mm-hmm. the schools have signed over to the ACC their TV rights for their games. So, for instance, Florida State obviously signed, I think it's through 2036, right? Yep. So unless they get out of that, which my understanding from everyone who reads these things uh, is good luck with that. It's pretty ironclad. Yeah. Um, they can't bring their broadcast rights over. So essentially, if Florida State picked up and left tomorrow and said ACC buy and paid the exit fee for the ACC, they would also have to pay the ACC to get their grant of rights off, which is apparently about the same amount, if not more, than just leaving the ACC. And if they failed to do that, they would be playing without their TV rights, where their games would still be on, say, ACC Network or wherever the ACC decided to put them, maybe not even on TV at all, out of spite, and they just wouldn't be on TV, which is not a good place to be. So that's the grant of rights issue there. They are locked in and basically stuck. So if in that scenario, there really isn't much of a way out, the ACC's path forward is adding. But who do you add, right? Like John just said, you, do you merge with the Big 12? Does anyone in Miami care to play Kansas? You know, I mean, does TCU, that, is that really moving your needle, Texas Tech? I mean, you just saw Texas and Oklahoma leave that conference. So it's already a second-rate one as it is. So, I mean, I don't know what Phillips – can say to, on Wednesday, obviously. I, I don't I don't think there's anything I'm mean, like we talked about. I think he's going to get up there and say, look, we're always looking for expansion. Obviously, the Notre Dame question will be a big one for him. And, and right. you know, we can get to that in a second because they're locked in in other sports, but not football. So, and it seems as though the Big Ten very desperately and is very largely and quickly making a play for Notre Dame football. But I believe that's going to get into some kind of gray legal area with the other schools, because are you going to play football in the big 10 and leave all the rest of your schools in the ACC where again, the ACC could 
vindictively just bury your schools, your your teams, where no one ever sees them. So I guess it's that what do you do aspect of it. I, I mean, I don't know what he's going to say about Notre Dame and such. Uh, and then one other thing you talked about that uh, Perry and I actually didn't talk about last week, and I heard um, from um, I, I on uh, I listen to the, the Levitard show a lot. And they've got a John Skipper as the president of their, their company over there now. And he's the former president of ESPN. And so they bring him in to talk business often. And, and um, they asked him about, he's a big ACC guy, grew up in North Carolina. And they asked him, what is the ACC? What can they do going forward? And oddly enough, he thought the best play was to look to trade your teams for other teams. Um, essentially, the ACC and the ACC say, hey, we're the ACC. We've already got Duke and North Carolina and Wake Forest in North Carolina. Having that many redundant schools in one state doesn't help us. We want to keep Duke and North Carolina together. Why don't you guys take NC State? Because the SEC is pretty desperately trying to get into North Carolina. And we'll take Vanderbilt, adds the footprint in Tennessee, adds an academic school that's good in the baseball and basketball like the ACC handles. And I don't think Vanderbilt is as terrible as they're sold in football. I just think they're very desperately outmatched what they face now. I don't think they'd be much worse than like a Duke would be or a Wake Forest could be in the ACC. Um, But it adds the TV rights because you get a certain amount of money if like obviously ACC Network is broadcast in Tennessee. But if you have a school in that state, you get additional money. So making that swap then brings both conferences more money. My question is, does that really end up helping the long-term health of the ACC? And that's where I think you're at, John, where I don't think it really moves the needle for them. Not in my opinion, no. Right. I, I mean, I, I expect, and I think a lot of people are on college football from all the articles I've read, expect that there's going to be a split with another division of college football, right? You have division, uh, you had two uh Division one, division two, which they renamed right FBS and the FCS for division two. Um, everyone expects, even within division one now, especially because division one has expanded, FBS has expanded, right? Used to have a hundred and a few teams or whatever. Now it's over like I think 130. Wow. And so Ohio State has nothing in common with the with the teams that have within their last few years joined the FBS, right? Toledo. <laughs> Right. Or, you know, North Texas, right. They just don't have anything. It's just not that they're not playing the same game. Right. Even Florida right. State doesn't play the same game as, as um, Jacksonville. As North- no. Okay. Right. How dare you? So, <laughs> so Max just rolled his eyes so hard and an audio so, medium, his eyes just rolled so far back. <laughs> so they're playing the different game and everyone expects there to be a split where they're going to be the top 40, 50, 60 programs. However it is splits off. And forms their own division. Right. The eventual thing I think is that they all split away from the NCAA, and they form their own kind of maybe semi-pro league. Maybe maybe the players at that point would even unionize. You have equal revenue sharing with they all collectively 40, 50, 60 programs, whatever the top ends up being. Um, again, they split away from the NCAA and negotiate as one separate league, just in football, with their own TV rights. Um, at that point, I think that may be what ESPN and Fox are both jockeying towards. Yeah. Who can get the biggest share so that at the end of this, you gobble up the other one, right? It's it's not that different than a Home Depot and a Lowe's who build their stores right across from each other. 
all right, next to each other. That's what everyone does, right? Because it puts right. the other one out of business. I feel like ESPN and Fox are doing the same thing here. And so they're figuring, trying to figure out who can build the biggest um, uh, monster, I guess, super conference that will end up being the one as this eventually splits off into its own thing. Yeah. The goal for Florida State is to not get left behind before that happens. I don't think right. because of Florida State and it's a national brand program, I think other than Notre Dame, they're easily the biggest fish on the board that's left after Notre Dame, right? Um, and the ACC is obviously worth a lot more with Notre Dame in it, but Notre Dame, like they always have, and they've always been rewarded, will just continue to wait until they have to make a decision. Um, they're never going to get left out of whatever this ends up being. So they can afford to wait. Um, again, Florida State's the next big, next big fish. I, I hadn't heard the theory about the ACC switching. I think it could help in the short term. But we right. all know, like I was saying earlier, the writing's on the wall. We all know what's going to happen, right? Either the ACC joins. I, I do think it would be interesting if the ACC and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 all joined together. You wouldn't make a whole lot of money per, per team, but you'd have an enormous footprint and you'd have a kind of interesting counterbalance to the SEC and the Big 10. Will that ever happen? I don't think so. Yeah. So in the short well, term, I think your, your idea of switching or, or swapping out teams would be really interesting and it might help in the short term, but in the long term, I don't think it changes where this is, whole thing is going. Yeah, to be fair, that's, a, that's not my idea. John Skippers, I'll give it to I'll give it to the the guy who used to run ESPN over me and my well, uh, counter room. But I guess my question, right, but, but ESPN, sorry, ESPN and Fox are the ones driving this whole thing. Right. So his his perspective is interesting. Right, and and like I said, he's a big ACC guy as it is. But I guess my one question then back to you there is, if you're you know the commissioner, the ACC commissioner talking on Wednesday, you obviously, from what I understand, have basically all the chips like you're not at this point it's almost impossible for you to lose the schools you have over the next 14 years so when you step to the microphone here and you have the ability to make your conference's position known maybe he does say more than just you know we're always looking to add because what does he have to lose if he says something stupid like i don't think there's anything to lose i think if he goes out and says look it's no secret. We want Notre Dame to be playing in the ACC every year. We have the rest of their teams. They play baseball. They play basketball. They're in our softball tournaments. There is no reason that that football team shouldn't be part of our conference. We can work with them to make their national schedule they want. But as far as we are concerned, Notre Dame should be playing football in the ACC. And then you've just put the ball in their court. Hey, Notre Dame, make your choice. Like I feel like if you're going to survive this, he might as well come out Wednesday and make a play as opposed to just like, well, you know, we're trying, I mean, obviously they're doing things behind the scenes, but you know, it's, it almost makes me think, and Max, you'll relate to this one, but like in the NBA, right? Like if you want to get traded, you don't, you can't just go in and be like, Hey, look, I want to get traded because you're like, yeah, we'll look into it. You just come out and you're like, you know what? I hate Brooklyn. Get me the hell out of here. Right. Like you can't, you, you know, it's, it just doesn't, it's not like, Hey, look, it's just not working out for us. Like mm, you're under contracts. So too bad. Go out and do something and try and change it. I, I think that's what he maybe should do now. Cause I, I mean, I expect him to just give a nothing answer. Uh, and like, you know, like we said, like, Oh, we're building, we're a conference and you know, we're looking to build greatness on and off the field and academic. just come out and be like, look, Notre Dame, get off your ass and do something. Well, I mean, you're 100% right, and I do want him to come out and be aggressive. Um, the problem is Florida State has – not Florida State, I'm sorry. The ACC has no leverage over Notre Dame. Right. Um, no. and, well, I guess they right, hold their banner rights in the, other, in the other sports, right? But 
Yeah, but but and oh. they could have held Notre Dame's feet to the fire. Although again, they didn't have any leverage then to do that. People say, well, they could have forced Notre Dame to join the ACC at the time. But you know, if they could have, they would have, and they didn't. So they couldn't have. Is is where I'm kind of coming from there. I I do want Phillips to be aggressive. I do want to say yes. We will be. You know, we're going to go after it. We're going to get everyone that we can. We're going to be as aggressive as possible. We I will save the future of the ACC conference. <laughs> But doing it is something completely different, and there yeah. really just there aren't there aren't any programs left that will change the numbers enough. Yeah, and so it just seems to be like this slow death. Where, yeah, Florida State does not have the three hundred to five hundred million dollars that they need to get out right now. But every year that amount will go down. Every year that will decrease. Every year they get closer. Florida State, Miami, Clemson will get closer to leaving. Maybe even Notre. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, North Carolina and Virginia all get closer to leaving right so he knows phillips knows this what do you do between now and the next five years to make this conference survive until it turns into whatever however we know it's going right the, the, the yeah. split away i i don't know i don't know if max has any ideas i, I there's just I mean, I, what you guys are talking about and adding notre dame you add notre dame you solve the problem with notre dame what that's the short term whatever yeah that's solving the short-term issue. So what's going to happen after that? You add Notre Dame, what's the next step? Well, I guess then that you're, you're adding the national brand and maybe, but see, my question there is if your TV rights deal is locked into 2036, you're not getting the bigger slice of the money anyway. So, I mean, it seems like they almost sold themselves too short already. And I, and I don't know what his play can be to save it. Um, Because I mean, if you looked at the TV swaps, I mean, even if that idea of swapping Vandy and NC state comes together, is Vandy going to say yes? They're going to be like, yeah, we'll take less money. Sure. Like, no. I mean, why would they be like, yeah, yeah we'll take less I don't, money? Like, I don't what? think anyone is voluntarily going to leave the SEC or Big Ten right now. Right. right. The money's just See, flowing. You can say, hey, we'll trade you NC State for Oklahoma State, the Big 12, and we'll trade you Wake Forest for Bandy in the SEC. But but I, I know, like just Max said, the Vanderbilt's going to double bird you and say, I don't yeah, think no. so. No, get lost. Yeah. Because they're all looking at it, but the, every team in the SEC and the Big Ten is looking at $100 million a year each. They're yeah. never going to leave unless – I don't even know if there's a mechanism for the conference to kick them out or what that would even I'm not really look even like. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not so sure anyone's problem, ever been kicked out. One of the problems with this is that it creates the power of two, and a lot of people have been talking about that. Yeah. That happens, and the SEC and the Big Ten turn into extreme powerhouses bigger than they already are. What happens right. to the other conferences – that's the question you have to ask. What happens to the other conferences? What happens to other competition? And like, so that there's so many questions to be answered. I have a perfect question for you, Max. And it came to my head in this conversation. Let's say the ACC continues what they're doing. The SEC grows, the Big Ten grows. Um, the ACC, some of the schools start to slowly trickle out. Is Duke basketball dead forever? No. Coach K's gone new guy is it over because it's because no one wants duke who wants duke look what they look, look what they've done right now yeah, but who cares a, right they're not moving the needle in recruiting class. Who cares? I, mean, I, yeah, I guess it's just basketball but right forever no i think it's over i think it's over i think they're yukon <laughs> it's over it's over what do you I just put a, well i think we end up there <laughs> most of this is going to be football only i think acc i mean not nice i think basketball is going to look completely different conference totally different i think football. that's going to be ridiculous i think, I think they're going to do the thing 
I think this is going to end up in, and again, we're, we're venturing here off of the, but I think it ends up where it's basically going to be two, two 64 team conferences. And we just play it like the AFC and NFC. And then in basketball, we just do, Hey, everyone, we, everyone makes a tournament or 32 teams of the 64 make the tournament. Or, you know, I, I don't think this is, I, I don't see that the NCAA basketball tournament exists like it does now in 10 years. So you completely erase each conference and you go with the SEC and big and big 10. Right. But I think, I, I mean, I think it's, but see that that's my problem. I think it becomes almost a power five conference, I guess, in the way the schools operate. But then my question there is because they're just going to keep adding schools. Right. I mean, like neither, neither conference is just going to be like, well, I got USC and UCLA and then SEC is like, well, we got Texas and Oklahoma. So we're all good. Like they're just going to keep going. Yeah, um, so they, I'm thinking the same six- power five schools are all just going to be added into one big tournament that like, wh- like if I'm Kentucky, I don't even want to play Roger Morris or whatever, like Robert Morris. I, I don't want to play him. I don't want to play that in rounds in 64. I don't want to send my kids to Spokane, Washington. If I'm the one seed, send me to Louisville. I'll play at the, you know, Yum Center or whatever. Send me to Indianapolis. Like, you know, they could sell that for so much bigger and split it between the SEC and or ESPN and Fox and just take it over. I mean, it's, it's an outside of, of NCAA. Isn't that an outside of NCAA? Like, I know the playoff is not an NCAA sanctioned championship. But I guess I, I think know. the NCAA tournament maybe is, but there's nothing to hold them to it. They could just do the same thing they did with the playoff. I, I can see there being a big three conferences in basketball, but then football is its own separate thing. Yeah, I mean, football is going to be a disaster. So what would, it, what would the big three be in basketball? I, it could be the Big Ten, the SEC. They gobble up all these other schools. Maybe they end up being 20, 24 schools. And then you have everything, anything out West will be its own, like the third conference, but in football, it's totally different. Football, they're all going to separate the four top 40, 50 programs are just going to be just on their own doing whatever it's going to be. Every other sport basketball is going to be within those, right? Right. Volleyball, women's uh, softball, all the, you know, the soccer, all that baseball is all going to be the, the top three conferences. And then football is going to be totally different, separate. No. It just, I don't know. Be- to me, they're running they're running professional football programs and for largely professional basketball programs just on college campuses. At this point, right. it's just like we just slap some colors on them and call them LSU and Florida State and Oklahoma and Texas. And it's just it, I mean, what's the difference? I mean, they go well, they just like sit in class three times a week. And then, you know, I mean, what are we doing? Well, here's the interesting thing, too, is right is is in again, going back to the ACC grant of rights is every conference, including every professional sports league, by the way, are all redoing their TV contracts for the next three or four or five years. Right. Between yeah. now and 2026, they're all redoing them, which one. Yes, the ACC extended their grant of rights to 2036 to ensure that the conference was kept together. It's going to do exactly what they intended it to do to the detriment of Florida State and Clemson, Miami and, and some other programs. But it's going to do what it intended to keep the keep the uh, conference together. But with every other conference and professional league redoing their TV deals, I'm going to be very interested to see how long the Big Ten, the SEC, do their next TV deals for, right? Because if they do it to, like, say, this is 2022, say they redo it to 2020 or 2030, right? 2030 might be six years away when FSU can get out. That might be close enough. Yeah. For FSU to say, okay, yeah, we have the money, you know, go screw yourself. We're leaving. We're joining the Big Ten and the ACC. So I'm kind of interested to see how long these TV deals go for in the next round because everything points to the SEC and the Big Ten. Again, what we're talking about when I say SEC and Big Ten is really ESPN and Fox. 
they can afford to wait. And they're both at 16 teams right now, but ESPN and Fox obviously, again, want to be, again, I think what we're looking at is a one final split away, separate league, right? From the NCAA with one network who does the whole TV deal, right? I don't know, man. I think Disney I think, and Fox are both going to carve out half, and they're going to split this. Unless thing down you the got, middle. unless you got like North and South, right? And I think Fox that's how it's going to go. And ESPN gets the South, and they, I think it's, they I think it's going to be NFC AFC. I, I mean, it's something just be, like that, yeah. right? Which is weird because the NFL obviously has its own, you know, it's whatever. But I mean, they do split between CBS and Fox, right? The NFL does with their TV yeah. deal, so it could be you're right, something similar. But I again, I think that that's kind of where it's going. So. All right, so I, I, I'd like to thank Jim Phillips for giving us this launching pad to go on a 20-minute conference realignment conversation. But so, so to wrap <laughs> us up, I'll just go around the table. Your preference for Florida State in uh, realignment, stay home, SEC, Big Ten, or anything else. Um, and a, a quick, I'll say quick, because, uh, you know, I'm trying to get Max out of this McDonald's parking lot. He's currently doing this podcast in. <laughs> so, uh, John, I'll go to you first. You're cho- you've got ACC, SEC, Big Ten. Your preference on where this ends up? FSU, identity-wise, would be more of a fit for the SEC. However, 100%. I think the only logical landing point because of TV deals is the Big Ten. The Big Ten does not yet have a footprint in Florida. I would imagine they would very much like one. Florida State is, like I said, the biggest fish left on the board after Notre Dame. Right. They have a national brand thanks to the three national titles. Um, they have been much more relevant recently than uh, Miami. The only time Clemson brings in more eyeballs and more TV revenues when they make the college football playoff. But when you look at the all the numbers that the uh, college football player brings in, it seems to be about the same, regardless of who's playing. So I don't give that inherent to Clemson. So Florida State is is uh, very, very important, bigger than Clemson, despite the disparities between the two programs at this time. So I say Big Ten. I think it's either for Florida State, it is Big Ten or bust. Max, what you got? I think, I think like John, a lot of fans want to go to the Big Ten. A lot of th- fans think we, we'll be able to compete more or the money aspect is going to be like smarter to go there, which the Big Ten will want us more. But I want to go play with the big boys. I want to go where the money is. <laughs> I want to go to the SEC be able to play other teams there and be able to play the, the big time players that are going to be in the college football playoffs and, and put our names right next to them. I think that's a great opinion. And I, I don't think mine has changed from last week. If you listen to it, it's maybe slightly different. I think you're kind of stuck where you're at, like you said, for probably five years, maybe more, maybe eight years. Um, but I think in terms of building a football program, if the money is still comparable which it currently pretty much is, I would prefer you end up in the SEC for, which weirdly enough, I think the money is maybe slightly bigger. And I like the idea of you can compete in the Big Ten. I think Miami, though, is maybe a better fit for what the Big Ten's kind of going for. Um, But I think playing in the SEC gives you and I, and, you know, I'd love to have this conversation with the Florida State recruiting guys, too, but I think it gives you more access to recruits to build a program. Um, you know, I, I think you get the ability to where you're playing in Georgia every year against UGA as opposed to playing against Georgia Tech, you know, and I think that helps you land guys out of Georgia. 
And I think if you're playing Alabama and you're playing Auburn, it gives you a chance. You're going to Texas more often and you can build your brand in front of Texas and Texas A&M. And, you know, I don't, I mean, Louisiana is one of the states that constantly turns out more pros than any state in the country per capita. I mean, you can go in there and get guys. I mean, good luck. LSU traditionally pretty much has a state on lock except for Nick Saban. Um, But Jimbo Fisher's had a lot of success recently, you know, with their ability to just pour money on the table. So I think, I think the SEC opens more doors to better players because I can't imagine you're going to Indiana to grab that three-star wide receiver, um, you know, or, or going up to, I mean, maybe it helps you in basketball with, um, you know, the players that typically come out of like Illinois, the Chicago area or in Michigan and the Detroit area. Um, but I, I think if you're trying to compete in football, I mean, maybe Ohio and Pennsylvania are your best bets there, but I mean, how many kids really from Ohio want to come and, cut it up in Florida. I think, I think maybe that would be your best bet, but again, thank you so much to commissioner Jim Phillips and his ACC kickoff event that starts on Wednesday for giving us that wonderful uh, springboard off into a, like I said, 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes after I just finished my diet tribe conversation about conference realignment. We'll see what play he goes with. Will he be aggressive? Will he just play it safe again? That's on Wednesday. I think it's first thing Wednesday. I think he opens it with his statement and his, uh, he'll, he'll be bombarded with, conference realignment questions but guys this was fun it was good to get back together and see everybody like i said we'll get max out of the drive through here if you could scoop me up some mcnuggets on the way out that would be wonderful um but you know for brian john and max man uh thanks for joining us guys and i appreciate it that's a wrap